What's crackalacking, everybody? Money Smart Guy, Matt Cipolla here. Hey, Lindsay from Dallas, Texas, and welcome to episode 37 of the Seven Figure Squad podcast. Join me in the studio today is my co-host, my boy, my trainer, Milton Alvarez. What's going on, brother? What's going on, man? Happy Wednesday. By the way, I got some uh, interesting news here, man. Um, I'm speaking for the very first time on a Spanish Latino platform tomorrow. Which one? Um, Latino 1000. Okay. So they want me to do it in English, and they're going to have somebody translate me in Spanish. It's kind of interesting. So the, the the conversation about money, inflation, and getting hit financially, it's reaching. Listen, guys, I don't care if you're black, white, brown, yellow, you name it. We got one color here, which is the lighting of the studio. Green, baby. Green. And uh, it just seems to me the, the, the message is resonating with everybody from, you know, no matter what socioeconomic, ethnic upbringing that you're about, I mean, uh, entrepreneurship unites us all. We all need money. Correct. You know? So uh, on the show today, we've got uh, some very interesting conversations about um, a specific thing that Deion Sanders said when I interviewed him on, on, um, on stage a couple years ago about what we go through as parents and what we're providing for our children. It's one of the most replayed sections of our interview. Uh, presidential candidate Vivek Ramanswamy gives college student career advice. Also, we're going to talk about the WWE acquisition, and we just might have a special guest joining us here on the phone at the bottom of the hour. Um, should you, if your kids are of driving age, should they be provided or parents purchase them a car? Okay? Uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on that here in a second, and, and what does that give them? Um, also, my thoughts here and some reactions on flying cars. They're ready Flying to go. Cars. They're ready. They're ready to be uh, up for sale, and also my um, father's important. You got some interesting topics here too, as well on the, on the fitness side of things. Yeah. So for the health and fitness side of things, uh, I want to be able to dive into one main topic that uh, nowadays it's becoming such a trend to do cold plunges, and I want to be able Woo! to I want to be able to dive in be, uh, dive in between the relationship between cold exposure and testosterone levels, and is it more beneficial to cold plunge first and then work out? Or do you first work out and then cold plunge in order for you to increase your testosterone levels to optimal levels? And now, as far as uh, money goes, there's and there's something that I discovered myself a couple 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 weeks ago that there's actual hidden income sources in your home. It could be literally in the, in the bottom of the box of your, right in, in your closet. So you got assets that assets you don't even know about since 1999. Assets in your closet since 1999, baby. And then uh, one reaction video from, from my end uh, that women should have standards and women having yes, standards. Correct. Women having standards. You know, men before entering a relationship, what are maybe three or four things that you should be uh, aware of or important aspects of your life that you should first take care of before you even consider pursuing a woman. Yeah, and by yeah. the way, I've, I've got a, um, speaking of money, uh, a, a Chicago Bears, I'm not going to talk about the Chicago Bears versus Packers, but uh, that, was a, that was a scrub of a game, man. But uh, there is a Chicago Bears player that was drafted, and these new NIA, NIL deals that college kids are now able to sign in college, and there's, they can earn money from name, image, and likeness. This guy apparently got hustled. So we'll unpack that because uh, this is going to be a very apparent thing for all the College athletes out there who are student athletes, you guys are stud athletes of your campus, your big man bag, big girl on campus. There are some things in the NIL deals that you need to be aware of because they're not talking to you about financial literacy in high school or in college. We don't want you getting ripped off, especially if this is probably the highest earning years of your collegiate career, your sports career. We don't want you getting hustled, so make sure you stay tuned to this case study we're going to do on Jervon Dexter. Okay, so um, this first thing I want to share is this reaction to this katana sword uh a ninja sword okay okay ninja sword so um 
You got two people striking a sword. You got an amateur and a pro. Okay? Let's do it. And uh, um, you would think that a katana sword in the hands of either an amateur or a pro potentially might have the same results. I don't know. What do you think? Let's take a look at this. Cut the bamboo. Slicing through. Not bad, right? Not bad. They're giving it their all, man. All right, here's the master. Here's the master. Same sword. Like butter. Like butter. Like butter. Like butter. So, what's my point? Oftentimes people think, I got a business. I got a podcast. I got a career. I got a degree. I have a certification. And I'm about to kick everybody's butt. Yeah. But in the hands of a master... They might use that vehicle, that instrument, that opportunity much differently because they have the lens of a master versus somebody as an amateur just whacking away at things. I mean, granted, they may have fooled themselves with their katana sword in the backyard, chopping down four, four five, six bamboo, but in the hands of a master, I mean, look at that, effortless, how we just slice through. What's your thoughts when sometimes people think that just because I got a business, just because an Instagram profile podcast, uh, I got a new endeavor, new opportunity... I'm going to have the same results as potentially as a master I have without realizing the time and effort that it takes to actually build that craft. Well, this to me, it actually correlates with the difference between someone going to school for business for four or five years, what was it four or five years or so, get their associates or, sure. or, or bachelors versus someone who's actually been in business for four or five years. One's been gone through the motions and has had repetition, 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 has encountered the downfalls, has experienced yeah. the mistakes, and they've learned from it. And the one person who's gone to school for four years, they've been taught by someone who... Let me ask you a question. Do you know, maybe, maybe, I could be wrong, no disrespect to all the professors out there, but for the people who actually, uh, who are professors at a university teaching about business, how many of them actually have successful businesses? I have a very small, I believe a very small percentage of them actually have actually had their own business. So me personally, I would rather be taught by a high level entrepreneur who's yep. been in business for X amount of time, who's proven himself, proven herself, yep. gone through the motions, gone through the mental mental motions yep. and yep. everything that an entrepreneur would go through versus someone who has, what is it, a doctorate, a PhD, what's mm -hmm. the highest form, doctrine? PhD. PhD, PhD right? Yeah. Someone who's had the highest uh, degree but never has actually owned a business. Yep. And I think, like you said, when it comes down to the master, I'm sure that it's been repetition after repetition after repetition. When you first started working out with me, mm. when we first started doing lunges or squats, mm -hmm. there Jeez. are certain movements that you just couldn't do. You couldn't you couldn't perfect the very Still working time. through it. <laughs> but now that you've done it, what is it now? Four, it's been four four years or so that you've, you've been so able to do it. 2019, right? Right. So repetition, 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 day in, day out, day in, day yeah. out, week, month, year. And now you today versus yeah. you back then, it's a completely yeah. different person when it comes down to that yeah. motion. Yeah. yeah. Especially my son now. Uh, so that most, most parents that come home to their kids, and, you know, the best feeling of a parent is to have the kids run up to them. Not Jordan. He sees me, he takes off the other way because he wants me to chase him. Yeah. And so if I didn't have the energy or the flexibility of my knees and my hips and all yeah. that stuff, I'm not chasing this kid. Yeah. And, you know, um, and so if, if you're out there and you're wondering how to get ahead just because you got an insurance license, just because you got a real estate license, just because you got a law license, whatever the case, you have a new profession, new career, are you getting mentored and trained by somebody who has actually mastered it? And make sure you don't follow these online gurus who sell you on things. We were just having a conversation the other day uh, with Jeremy Mind right here in this chair. Because sometimes people make more money selling courses of doing something than actually doing that of which they're selling courses to do. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in, in Chicago, there's this company out there called Nouveau Reach. 
right? And I went to their, you know, uh, their their con- their weekly conference, just similar to what we would do at a, a financial literacy conference with insurance. And everyone, like, real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate, great. The guys making two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm like, wow, you guys are pretty successful uh, real estate uh, investors because that's what the course is. That's what there is all about. Yeah, and, and sell this education. And so they, they'd say, okay, sell this education. It's a $20,000 course. It's a $10,000 course, but you had a 50% commission. Mm-hmm. So if I sell a $10,000 course, I would make five grand in commission. Mm-hmm. If I sell a $20,000 course, make 10 grand, yeah. 10 grand commission. And so guys, I make two, $300,000. Great. So how many of these short sales have you done? How many fix and flips have you done? So I'm working on my first ones. Come on, bro. So you made more money. So in other words, a hoorah here in the hoopla is not around you actually doing the thing of real estate investing. You actually making money just selling education courses. Yeah. So that's where you got. That's where you got. That's where you got to cut. Uh, you know, you know, cut the, the difference makers between the doers and the and, and the wannabes. And so you always get a lot. Elon Musk is even on record saying, "Listen, a college degree doesn't get you much." And I will say this between the two of us: zero college degrees. Patrick and David, zero college degree. Uh, the highest income earners of our firm, PHP agency, no college degree. My wife has a college degree in finance, but she uses very little of it. When she sat down with one hour with one of our guys going over financial literacy and insurance planning, especially this being Life Insurance Awareness Month, this was uh, this was 2012. She goes, babe, she goes on to a conference room with one of my guys because we were still dating at the time. I didn't want to know her money mm. uh, situation at the moment. Still early in our relationship. And she goes, babe, I've learned more in one hour with one of your guys about personal finance, about 401ks, about life insurance, about being a single mom and taking care of my financial responsibilities, what my needs are in one hour than my four years in college with a finance degree. Because she learned it was corporate finance that she was studying, mm-hmm. not personal finance, right. much, much different uh, perspective. Yeah. And so when, when, she, uh, when she found out about that, and she said, okay, the most important license for me now is not my college degree. My most important license is my insurance license. Um, which brings me to my next topic. Um, you know, a lot of innovation is going on in America today. And would you know that this is actually not up for sale? How many of you are watching this right now and you're stuck in traffic or listening to this right now? You're stuck in traffic or you're watching a replay. You're stuck in traffic. You're watching, listening to the podcast and you're stuck in traffic. Biggest reason why I left Chicago, bro. Traffic. Is it? Traffic. Because I felt it was robbing my time. But this invention might put some time back on your side. Let's take a look at this video here about new flying cars. They're taking deposits now because they're about to sell them. Let's take a look. That's it. The world's first electric flying car has been approved for test flights and is even available for pre-order for the price of $300,000. California's Olive Aeronautics has received a special airworthiness certification from the Federal Aviation Administration to test its Model A flying car on both the road and in the air. Last year, the startup automaker opened pre-sales for what it says is, quote, the only drivable flying car with vertical takeoff and landing capabilities. The Olive Model A flying car is designed to fit with an existing urban infrastructure, meaning it can be driven on public roads and fit into a standard garage. The two-person vehicle is fully electric with a driving range of 200 miles and a flight range of 110 miles. Buyers can put a $150 (laughs) deposit to join the general queue or $1,500 to receive priority access. According to Olive, approximately 440 people put down deposits in 2022. Olive CEO says the company plans to begin deliveries in late 2025. Wow. Knowing me and my habits, I'd probably end up crashing that thing. Not because I'm a crazy driver, because my gas tank is always on empty. I th- <laughs> besides, besides that, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's gonna, we're going to have to have some form of uh, like sp- special license for that. Oh, yeah. Just like you know, truck drivers have GDLs yeah. and some form of aviation courses that we're going to have to start mm-hmm. taking out at the DNVs in order to be able to get those suckers off the but I'm excited about that, though. Yeah. I'm excited. How many times have I envisioned 
me sitting in traffic, if only I can do one of two things, either be a bulldozer of a car yeah. or just fly over everything. And now it's becoming a reality. Bro, we're about to live in an era where the Jetsons are going to be a reality. Imagine that. So spe speaking of which, if, 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 one of you are off of that and kind of piggyback off of that. Um, have you seen the, um, uh, this preview going on called the Creator movie? The Creator. The Creator movie. So it's mm. it's uh, against the backdrop of war between humans and robots. No. Artificial intelligence, right? So a former soldier finds a secret weapon, uh, a robot, in the form of a young child. Yeah. And they're, it's just basically war going on between us humans and the technology that we're actually currently inventing right now through all these programs. And, a and AI and all that stuff. Exactly. Wow. So, hey, uh, Jordan, there's uh, there's two videos, actually. Uh, the Creator movie, it's a two-minute video, but we're going to only watch maybe about 20 seconds of it. And then the follow-up one will be the bots that were spotted at the Chargers game. Check this out. What's heaven? It's a peaceful place in the sky. Are you going to heaven? Soundtrack. No. Dream on, baby. I love this song. Why not? How many times you play this at the gym? You gotta be a good person to go to heaven. Ten years ago today, the artificial intelligence created to protect us detonated a nuclear warhead in Los Angeles. For as long as AI is a threat. We will never stop hunting them. This is a fight for our very existence. All right. It's, it's, it's modern day Terminator, bro. Correct. Now, check out what actually showed up this past weekend at the Chargers game. To promote the movie. Wait, that's an actual robot? Yeah. No. Those are actual robots. No. No. No, bro, they look really sad. <laughs> Are those... They look like... Exactly. And that's all just to promote the movie. What a time to were be they alive. Real, were those real people or are those robots? Robots. What a time to be alive, man. What a time to invest into so AI. So flying cars and AI. The next 20 years of our lives are going to be extremely interesting. Holy Very moly. Very scary, but extremely interesting. It might be time to start looking into uh, AI. Here's some investments here. So this yeah. year, we're introducing flying cars, AI, and men can get pregnant. Did, you hear, did you hear about the womb, uh, the womb uh, what do you call that, when you have an organ to somebody else's body, womb transplant? No way. Oh, they're doing, womb, they're doing womb transplants. So for those of you excited about 2023, we're going to be looking at 2033, and like our lives started to change in 2023. By the way, I hope that's what you say about your personal finances. I hope that whatever situation that you're in, good, bad, indifferent, uh, you're excited about what you're making, you're not excited about what you're making, I hope that you can look back in 10 years and say, you know what, I made progress, listen to the right conversations, listen to the right podcasts, listen to the right mentors and coaches, and you got yourself financially ahead. Um, which brings me to my next topic here. Let's talk about Jervon Dexter, who's living a dream. He is a Florida Gator that got drafted by the Chicago Bears. The Bears. Uh, let, me, let me take a look at this article here. Um, Jordan, can you show my, yeah, can you show my screen? So, uh, Jervon Dexter um, signed with the speculative investment comp capital company while playing at the University of Florida in 2022, okay? And so, uh, Jervon Dexter, if you guys don't know what he looks like, this is what he, this is what he looks like right here, okay? Played at Florida. He's a defensive tackle, three technique for the Bears, 
Okay. He signed a four hundred sixteen thousand. So I'm sorry. He signed a four hundred thirty-six thousand dollar one-time payment. Okay, right here. To play college football and earn money from his name, image, and likeness, which is what a lot of college players can do today. Whether you're gymnastics, baseball, golf, football, basketball. If you've got a name, you've got an image and likeness that's well marketed in your local area. There's entrepreneurs out there and businesses and brands out there that want to partner with together with you to make money off your name, image, and likeness. In this case, him, this uh, big league, big league advance fund. Heads up, guys. Big league advance fund. It's a name to keep uh, uh, keep uh, notice to. But they paid him four hundred thirty-six thousand dollars in exchange. They want fifteen percent of his pre-tax NFL earnings for the next twenty-five years. Basically, what 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 athlete has ever played twenty five years in NFL? None. No. Not even Tom Brady. No. So what they're basically saying is, for the rest of your NFL career, most careers ending in three four years in the NFL, we want basically fifteen percent if we give you this check of four hundred thirty six thousand dollars. Okay. Now he signed a six million dollar contract with the Bears on June sixteenth. Meaning he would owe BLA, big league advance fund, about one million dollars over the lifetime of that deal. If he signs a second contract, he still has to pay them 15%. And that's when you make your money. Yeah. If you sign a third contract, that's when you make your money. Right? And so uh, these deals are supposed to be an athlete could participate in the free market. And when they graduate, whether they go on and play profession or not, any future contract are null and void. In other words, we don't want someone having access to somebody's future without them having proper guidance and proper representation. Because his lawyers now are suing this company that this was a predatory loan. Okay, and it's violating is violating legislation in 2020. They allowed college athletes to to profit off their name. Um, so according to the Senate Bill 646, the duration of contract for representation of an intercollegiate athlete or compensation for use of an intercollegiate athlete's name, injury, or likeness may not extend beyond her or his participation in the athletic program at a post-secondary educational institution. Because here's the thing: if he doesn't pay these guys, big league advance fund, 15% of his NFL contract, what they can do is try to say, hey, man, we're going to sue you now in court because you, you owe us money from right. your... And they'll be taking more money from them. That's right. Than what they're asking for. So, um, Dexter's attorneys declined comment, obviously because they're in the middle of the lawsuit, so it didn't uh, reply right away. Um, Dexter's attorneys are asking a federal judge to void his agreement with, the, with BLA because it does not conform with Florida's NIL law and the state's athlete agent statute. What's your thoughts on this? I was actually going to ask you from you being around the people that you're around with these athletes that, that you're consistently speaking to what could be a takeaway for just a regular a regular Joe Schmo like us like me if you're about to sign a contract that obligates you to pay somebody back if you receive money somebody's willing to give you money also have have discernment like well, bro what, what's up with the cash yeah and then if you're signing something in exchange for, if you get take this check in exchange for something else, you have to find out what that something else is. Because now your name is on the line because you signed it. So, and people are saying, by the way, there, there's a lot of comments on social media. Say, oh my gosh, well, he was a teenager. He was a kid, didn't know what he was doing. He was taking advantage of a young, of young impressionable kid. Well, guess what? Get in line then in front of every military base out there for every 18, 19, 20-year-old E1, E2, E3, private to Lance Corporal or any non-commissioned officer out there who's signing a... 25%, 30% car loan when they get back from a deployment. How come we don't say anything about that? How come people say things about only a professional athlete? There's tons 
of service members out there, they get predatory lending. But here's the thing too as well. If, let's say, the judge throw this out and you know the lawsuit doesn't go through and he's stuck, well, the thing too as well, hey, bro, you signed a contract. Yeah. If you're signing a check to receive $436,000, which is not a small amount of money. Yeah. If you sign it for a thousand bucks, a five thousand bucks, ten thousand bucks, PPP loan, yeah, right. If you take any money from the Small Business Administration, even a credit card advance, because they can send you these checks in the mail instead of you charging, right? They send you a check you deposit in your your bank account. The moment you receive money from somebody else that's not yours, you have to ask yourself, what do you want in exchange? What are the strings? Because once you sign a contract, my friends, you're not on the hook. And I've signed many contracts where I didn't sign, and I ended up paying for it. Time, uh, a lot of anxiety, but you're responsible. The moment you say, I'll receive this money, student loan, and I'll pay it back after graduation, six months after graduation, you're on the hook. Don't wait for the government to pay it off because life has a funny way of teaching you tough financial lessons. Now, one or two ways to learn about money, good decisions, learning and, and, and seeking wisdom, or you're reactive to it, learning from your mistakes. Right? One's the smart way, one's the dumb way. I learned a lot from the dumb way because I made my own personal mistakes as I was haphazard and making these uh, financial decisions, but you know, we learned the hard way. So that's what I would say to that. Yeah, same. Read, read the contracts, read between the lines, and if you don't understand what you're reading, find someone who does, someone who's already been in your shoes or someone who knows about those legalities. Because same way as Matt said, I personally uh, have learned from the dumb way and, and potentially I'm still actually learning from the dumb way in many years of my life that I'm paying back for my early 20s that I wasn't very wise with my money and my spending and with a lot of things that I did with my personal finance when it comes down to contracts and things of that nature. So for any young guy out there watching this or watching this now live or going to watch this in the future, uh, read between the lines, read it thoroughly, don't, don't skip over it just because it's quick, easy money. Someone, someone's decided to say, hey, here's half a million dollars, Milton. Milton, 19, 20 years old. Sure, what do I sign? Automatically, we see a lot of money, especially if you come from a background of people not really having mm -hmm. that kind of money, you're gonna sign automatically. Yep. Milton nowadays, Asking a lot of questions, so definitely ask a lot of questions. Figure out why it's happening, and you know, bring counsel. Boom, exactly. Don't have a don't have a lawyer to sue. Have a lawyer to review. Yep. I mean, there's been many lawyers that I've paid two hundred fifty. Let's say, Javon Dexter paid him five hundred bucks for an hour to review this contract, yep. and a lawyer gives him here. Here's my counsel. Mm -hmm. Here's what you're responsible for. Let me put you into layman's terms. That's what a lawyer is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Bring them in as counsel before you make decisions. That's why they're called counselors, okay? Um, if you look back on the screen, uh, Jordan, it was in a question inside this agreement with Javon Dexter. He initialed a section, okay, where he was asked if he agreed to give BLA 15% of his future professional football earnings. So he initialed it. So it means he reviewed it. So in this quote, it says, as an example, is what it, he had agreed to, he initialed as an example of the potential amounts that you may require to pay big league advance under this agreement. If you make $100 million in professional football earnings, over the 25 years from the date you signed this agreement, you will be required to pay us $15 million as you earn that money. Now, from the outside, you're like, Shh, I ain't making $100 million yet. But the moment you, make, you sign a $100 million contract yeah. and you realize I have to pay $15 million, that's a... And then you still got to pay your agent. And then you still got to pay taxes. That's a big chunk. And especially and, if you have no financial literacy, you just start spending money yeah. on random things. And this is pre-tax earnings. Yeah. So these guys are smart. This BLA, big league advance, they, they're smart. They're not saying after tax, they're saying pre-tax. And gross pay, net pay, pre-tax, after tax. So he's paying 15% on the bigger amount. So I hope they can unwind it and uh, uh, give this guy a 
somehow, some way, a second chance. But at the end, if they don't do it, they don't give them a second chance, you're stuck, brother. And word of warning to any athlete out there in college looking to make money off your name. If you're a big man on campus, big girl on campus, please make sure you watch this portion because and learn from this mistake because you could be next. Because if you don't get drafted into the NFL or NBA or any professional sports after, there could be also some other things that NIL deals will give you money in exchange for. Make sure you have counsel to review because this might be the only time you ever make this type of money based on your ability to play sports as an amateur. Because most guys and gals don't get to next level and play professional. So, uh, all right, let's move on to the next topic. Um, the WWE has um, acquired, let's take a look at this. Uh, the WWE, if you can look at my screen here, the WWE um, has been acquired by the UFC for 20, uh, uh, has merged on the UFC, has, WWE has merged with UFC under Endeavor's $21 billion company, quote, TKO group earnings. And so pretty exciting times for the, you know, for combat sports and, and, and sports and entertainment. So check this out though. Vince McMahon bought WWE in 1982. For $1 million. From his father. Woo! From his father. From his father. God, he, so he, he, he bought it from his dad. Mm -hmm. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Wow. How, how, how many people would do that? People, how many people would say, you know, that's, uh, that's my dad. He should just give it to me. But good for him to yeah. say, I bought it from my dad for a million dollars. And he built it since 1982, 40-some years now, to $9.3 billion. What a way to flip it. And put forty years of your life into something, and so um, we're gonna we're gonna call up a friend of ours. Let's do it. Uh, uh, I'm gonna call up a friend of ours. In the meantime, what's your what's your uh, what's your two cents on this acquisition from uh, Endeavor? I think it's good for the fans. Uh, it potentially could, could go bad for some of the athletes. Some of them might start getting underpaid now, but I think the person you're about to call has a little bit more information on that. Yeah, These are just speculations based on the, the a lot of like, these online people that have been commenting on it. But let's see what happens. Let's see. Let's see if we can get. Uh, let's see if we can get. Let's see if we can get uh, our good friend Bobby Lashley on the phone here. See if he picks up. Your call has been forwarded. Oh, we'll, 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 yeah. We'll call him here in the next few minutes. He just sent me a he just sent me a text too. But uh, yeah, I mean, good good for him, man. Good for him that uh, you can start off small, uh, put your time and effort into it. Um, his daughter, I know, is, uh, his daughter is running things too as well, right? Uh, Stephanie um, McMahon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Stephanie McMahon uh, Hunter, which is uh, Stephanie's uh, husband from what, twenty plus years ago, known as Triple H on in WWE. Uh, Shane McMahon, I think he's slightly involved, not as involved anymore as he, as he used to be. But I, I, I really think this collaboration is going to do a lot for a lot of the stockholders and uh, for the fans. It's, it's going to be an interesting five, ten years from now. And these next five, ten years for, for both the UFC and the WWE. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to do any cross-branding type of, type of situations, but we've already seen some fighters be on WWE. And we've seen one, you know, one, one athlete, Brock Lesnar, who's been on w, in the WWE mm -hmm. and the UFC, both heavy, uh, world heavyweight champion on, on both shows. So. Who knows? You might see that on. You might see like cross branding. I, I hope the uh, the the actual fighters and wrestlers get paid more money. Yeah. Because the, the big knock the big knock on combat sports, big knock on these guys is a troll like Jake Paul and Logan Paul. Yeah. They can go on and troll these guys, and 
they bring so much eyeballs because everybody's so much curious about how these fighters are going to fight these guys now in the ring. Mm-hmm. And I mean, kudos to them because the, what the Paul brothers are doing is they're bringing these former big brand name type of athletes into the space to fight at their strength, not the not at wrestling, um, not at uh, um, mixed martial arts, but through boxing. And I think it's pretty important for them to uh, figure out where they're at in terms of always bringing somebody to your strength, and they're making tons of millions of dollars. I think there's some some uh, uh, thoughts there. Said, so listen, I've been fighting in the UFC for five years or ten years. How does this guy make in one fight more money I've made in ten years? Yeah. And, and you know, uh, there's a lot of speculation that there was this this collaboration between these these two brands into one holding, uh, because Saudi Arabia actually started their own impact uh, impact uh, fighting, and a lot of the fighters that UFC has not taken care of, they're losing those fighters to the Saudi Arabia brand. The, uh, what is it called? The 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 uh, the PL, uh, PFL. Um, uh, Premier Impe- Fight League. Yeah. Yeah. So in Saudi Arabia, they're they're stacked with cash, man. They're trying to do everything to bring sports into Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. They're trying to be, uh, bring golf into Saudi Arabia. They're trying to bring soccer into Saudi Arabia. Uh, we 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 sponsor a fight named Jose Shorty Torres. What's up, Shorty? From Cicero, uh, he he's fighting in, in Brave, mm-hmm. that's a, which is another um, which is another league. So hey, more power to these guys, man. There's a lot, apparently a lot of money in, in sports uh, entertainment, and more specifically in combat sports. I just hope the players and the fighters and the wrestlers get paid more money. We had Bobby here, and he says a lot of guys don't make that, you know seven figures in, in 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 wrestling, and they put so so much on on their body. I mean, I'm looking at Bobby. He's 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 mid forties now, and he's still flying up the top ropes, and it's not even in the ring. He's flying outside the ring mm-hmm. into barricades, and nothing's padded, and so. These guys, whatever you want to call it, fake or not, you try this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you try this stuff. Exactly. All right. Let's let's move on. Um, you want to bring up uh you want to bring up a way speaking of money, you want to bring up a topic here? Yeah, let's on your do it. things. Yeah. So um for those people watching, uh this is something that I actually discovered on my uh, on my own a couple weeks ago when I was moving uh, out of my household into a new home. Is that for a lot of people who are asking, is there ways that I can make more money, extra, some extra cash? Or is there anything that I have in my closet or in my attic or in, in storage that could potentially be worth some form of money? And there's actually a lot of hidden income sources in your home. And some of them are actually, you know, memorabilia. Memorabilia, trading, you know, trading cards, or certain jerseys, uh, certain, certain um, just old, uh, old furniture, th- things, things, yeah. you, things that you have at home. And a lot of people uh, collect them as antiques. But there was one that caught my attention. And they're Pokemon cards. Pokemon, Pokemon, gotta catch them all, gotta catch yeah, them all. They're Pokemon cards, right? So okay. the first Pokemon cards, they were printed in, what is it, 1999, and they're not considered the old Pokemon cards, right? Vintage Pokemon cards uh, by fans of the series. And some of these cards are actually worth thousands, or if not ten thousands of dollars right now, if they're in good wow. condition. Wow. So for all the guys and women out there who are watching this, and you guys have stacks of Pokemon cards like myself, so. Oh, you got some examples. Yeah, so there's only maybe like the small, and please, uh, if there's women out here watching, of me having Pokemon cards at age 31, I just found these. These are from 1999. I don't collect them now, but they've been in my, they've been in storage for years. And Matt, just in this little this little uh, what is it like five six page thing? There's twenty thousand dollars worth of Pokemon cards. Here. If I do it the correct okay, way. Okay, hold on. I got. I got. I got if okay, I do it the I, correct way, check this gotcha. out. Gotcha. Okay. So how old are these? Huh? From 1999. Okay, 1999. 1999. These, oh, so these, these are, are vintage. Started. These are the these are the uh, vintage Pokemon cards. Okay, so this this is one of my this is one of my Profitable hobbies. All right. So I collect uh, um, 
football card. The court, if I, with NFL, I don't go. Court, I don't go quarterbacks and specific key players. Mm. Um, but I don't go uh, a lot of positions outside of quarterback. Basketball, any position. Soccer. I'm starting to get into soccer in terms of cards. But what thing you have to do is once you get these cards, if you get these cards, you'll see a lot of guys break the packs and mm. they're wearing um, gloves. Yeah. Because you don't want to get oil of your hands onto the cars because that might might uh, hurt the quality of the card. So if you want to, m- to monetize these uh, cars or get involved in a, in a hobby, you put these right away into a plastic sleeve or something like this to protect it. Or they have these actual um, w- you know, one-card slides. Mm. So it's, it's uh, protective plastic. Yeah. Because now you want to get graded. Yeah. So what, so, does, it, so what does that mean? for In this people? version, it's called Raw. Raw. Just you're, you're raw dunging it right yeah, now, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is raw. So you want to send it to two one of two major grading associations, which is called PSA and Beckett. So PSA is in LA. Beckett's actually right down the street here in Farmers Branch. Oh wow. Yeah. So what they'll do is they'll grade it. They'll grade on four different areas of criteria. Number one, the surface. Okay. Is it smudged? Is there print marks? Is it uh, they're looking at the quality of the card. So they're gonna look at the surface, see if there's any smudges, any scratches. That's number one. Second one is a centering of the card. They want to make sure it's perfectly in the center. There's small deviation mm-hmm. uh, to be a, because you want this to be a pristine type of card to be at the highest value. So first one, cent, uh, uh, first one is service. Second is centering. Third is edges. You'll make sure there's nothing that's that has or the edges clean, dented the ed- dented. Dent, dented the edges. Yeah. And the fourth one, which is the hardest one, it's corners. Yeah. So sometimes we mishandle these cards. We you know yeah. without us even knowing it. it the card so yeah. and they'll rate it so from psa one to ten ten being the greatest right beckett's ten and then there's black ten ten and then it's pristine ten yeah so that's beckett psa a lot a lot of the market goes to psa uh but to get these graded it takes a minute because they're so backlogged what what covid did everybody went back to their cards and they shoved everything into the grading companies and they were yeah. backlogged for like six months to a year jesus okay so people are, people are like, wait, I need to trade these cards. And my card's in, on a shelf somewhere yeah. waiting to get graded, and I'm going to a trading show. Yeah. And so if you, if you want to monetize these, one, one, one or two ways to sell it. Either A, this is raw. It's got to be clean, though. Mm-hmm. right? The, the, the beauty, in the whole, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder at yeah. that time. Mm-hmm. Or the second one is if you want to take all that, spend 50 bucks, 100 bucks, get each individual card graded. So therefore, now you can say, hey, my card is now authenticated graded it's registered via barcode mm. and they can say uh, of the entire class of cards that's a pace a10 i don't know what is this a uh, charmander what's the most expensive card you had here what's the most valuable card so far it's charmander and uh really meowth and these holographic ones but mainly these here so i have, I have about what, four of these so what are these what are these worth right now this wrong if it's the, in the proper way mint conditions worth about two grand it's two grand for this card okay card. so we got to get this graded because right now if i would go to say you know what it's ungraded. I'll pay you five hundred bucks for it, yeah. or two fifty, because yeah. you know, based on however, I'll, I'll you know, nickel and dime you. And then I take it to get graded, and then I'll make the two thousand bucks. Yeah. So either you make two hundred bucks off it, mm-hmm. or you spend the fifty bucks, hundred bucks to get it graded, and see what it comes in at, based on those four criteria. I love this hobby, man. <laughs> so just so you guys know, the second largest card show in America is right here yeah. in Dallas. Wow. So you want to go follow Dallas Card Show? On Instagram, Dallas Card Show, but this is one of my, I geek out on this type of stuff. I'll use this to pay, my, I'll use this to pay for my wedding one day. Totally kidding, totally kidding. So I wonder if I have it here, but uh, pa- Patrick, during, during COVID, uh, right before COVID, I, uh, I had Patrick, I was doing business plan with Patrick in the office, and um, 
he showed he showed me some cards. They, they came in. I said, uh, "PBD, what's this? Uh, I wonder if I, ha I have a card here." Da 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 da. But um, he bought two Wayne Gretzky uh, rookie cards. One was Fleer. One was uh, OPG. Okay, where's where I'm not sure if I have it here. Anyway, make a long story short, um, I saw Patrick buy it for four hundred fifty thousand bucks. How much? Four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay. So I'm looking at these cars like, what are you, PB? What are you doing? He bought he bought this car. I'm trying to find this picture here, my favorites. But uh, sure enough, he, he bought the cards, and I was actually holding it with black gloves. This, the CEO of uh, Beckett came by, personally delivered it. Because they're right here in, mm -hmm. in, in Farmer's Branch. Tigran is, is a, a part of this conversation. And uh, anyway, make a long story short, through the, through the pandemic, massive amount of cash was fl flooded the marketplace. And uh, uh, guess what Patrick did? So uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find the article here. So um, um, Gretzky, Gretzky uh, rookie card. Oh, here it is. So if you can show my screen. So Patrick buys it for $400,000. He flips it during pandemic for 1.29. 1.29. And so um, his card, Patrick's card, his sale made the LA Times. Wow. <laughs> this, this is exactly the card I was holding. He sold it through right here. See, uh, uh, Dallas-based Heritage Auctions are right here. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. I remember Patrick bought it and he sold it and... Well, there it is. What what a great hobby! Yeah. So if you guys are collecting cards, I got I got JoJo into uh, collecting cards. What, what would you say is you know, the card that you own right now that's the most valuable? Or will one Michael Jordan rookie? What what's the what was the value when you got it? And what do you think the value will be in the next uh, years? I, yeah, I I I got it for I got it for is a PSA eight. Uh, it's a PSA eight baseball. I'm taking you guys through my little hobby here, baseball or sports cards. So I'm taking through my. Uh, Take my little folder here. So yeah, if you look, yeah, if you look at my screen, this is this is the uh, this is my little hobby, man. You know, getting these cards. Uh, I'm about to get these uh, cards graded. So yeah, oh, I got another one. I got a LeBron LeBron rookie. Nice. All right. So I got a Le LeBron rookie card here, and that's gonna that's gonna be some money. The top the top score is ten. Mm -hmm. So that's a nine point five. So you you, you got to get these cards graded. Oh, here it is. Here, here's the picture of uh, me holding those. Wow. Wayne Gracie record. $500,000 as I'm holding right there. Patrick sells them both for over $2 million, $2 million bucks during, during pandemic. So to your point, you're right. It is a profitable hobby. Yeah. It's some form of alternative investment. He's got to know how to do it right. Yeah, he's got to know how to do it right. That's right. I'm glad you brought that up, man. You got me all geeked out about this stuff. Yeah, I know you're smiling. <laughs> you didn't smile much, guys. <laughs> all right. Um... Speaking of that, uh, speaking of things you do as a kid, uh, let's take a look at this uh, video here. If, okay, let me ask you this question. Did you grow up with a car? No. Taking a bus and a train everywhere, bike? Did I grow up with a car? My, 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 going to school? For you. What age? Uh, uh, high school. When you got to, when you, when you got to, uh, when you got to uh, driving age, yeah. um, did you acquire a car or were you still taking a bus? I walked. friend drove me. Parents drove me, and then by my junior senior year, I was working enough where I can get to get my own. So you got your own car. Yeah. For those of you watching this live, or for those of you watching the replay, did your parents buy you a car when you were sixteen? Uh, did you want your parents to buy you a car when you were sixteen? Were you fortunate enough? I remember these kids, man. Back then, it was like a Mustang uh, 5.0, uh, 
or uh, uh, um, I Rock Z. Like, okay. Grand National, my neighborhood, York Regal. Grand Nationals are nice <laughs> to this day, baby. So you guys, you guys would know no neighborhoods those uh, those two, last two cars goes in, but. I was always taking the bus, 307 bus, 322 bus, 302 bus. Those were my bus routes in Chicago. Um, I'd take a bike, but every time I took a bike and I locked it up, it'd always get busted and somebody would steal my bike. So I'd take the bus everywhere. But the dilemma is if your kids are 16 years old, should you get them a car? So Jordan came to play this clip. Buying your kids a car, should you or should you not? I'm adamantly against the buying of cars for kids when they turn. You are? I am. Oh, I'd hate I to be your am. kid. Would you? Yes. Mm. Do you have kids? I do. And they're not driving age yet? They're not. They're 11 and 9. And when they're old enough to have a car, mm -hmm. you're not going to help them. There will be a, a vehicle How or vehicles that our family owns, and they can ask for permission to use the family vehicle. And if no one else is using it that evening and they've done their chores and gotten good grades and spoken respectfully, then they can have access to the car, but it's not theirs. You're not going to buy them a car. No. Nope. I bought all my children so far that are driving ages mm -hmm. cars. They're just fine. I just helped them rather than made them jump through a bunch of hoops to get one on their own because yeah. I had to get one on my own and I didn't like it. Uh -huh. Now, if I had a crystal ball and it was said, Brad, if you bought you a car, you would have expected this and you would have gotten weak and you never would have been successful. Then don't buy them a car. But there's no proof that buying them a car and helping them in life is going to hurt them. Well, I mean, if you're looking for data, I mean, I'm not sure there's data, but here's a basic principle, Brad. We never value things we get for free. Zero. We value things that we earn and pay for with our blood, sweat and tears and time and effort. And so... Uh, by the way, good, I look Brad. I, I got Brad's uh, uh, cell phone, and we've interviewed him here on Seven Figure Squad. I don't agree with him on this point, and good for him. The other lady, here's my reaction to her. She's still working from a position of theory because you don't know how she's going to cave under peer pressure. Exactly. You know, she, you don't know how she's going to cave under, Mommy, you know, my best friend just got a car, and how come you don't get me a car? She doesn't know that yet. She doesn't know what type of peer pressure you're going to get from her children, parental pressure from the, that peer group. Uh, but before I go into some of my thoughts, what's your initial thoughts when you saw this? Buy him a car or not buy him a car? Assuming you had kids. Well, it, it, well I started working when I, was, when I was 14 years old. Um, uh, legally, you, the working age is 16 years old, 15 if you have a workers' permit. But, but I started doing side jobs at, at 14. So I was able to make my, my own money to get my own vehicle. But what, what my dad did help me with was his credit. He signed for it, mm -hmm. but I'm the one making the payments for it. Got it. I will sign for you, but you you make your payments, you pump the gas, you change the oil, and you do you do the insurance. If you can't do that on your own, I won't buy you. I, I won't help with the signature. So I, I, I'm I'm more of a gray area, you know. If you're able to help your kid with a small portion of something, maybe not money, but just a signature, because mm -hmm. at 16 years old, who who really does have great, good credit or any credit at that? Yep. So that's one route that, that that I would take. But I do see the benefit of teaching your kids on how to earn things on their own. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also see from the other end of helping your kids get through life a little bit easier, but then teaching them the value, you know, the, the principle behind it and helping them understand like why you're doing it and also teaching them, you know, the sacrifice they, need, they also need to make. Building them with, with uh, some form of responsibility. But again, I'm just speaking based off of what I've learned, mm -hmm. what I've read, yeah. what I've seen yeah. amongst parents. I don't have kids, so I wouldn't know yet. Maybe, yeah. As you're right, you're right. I'm speaking out, out of theory. So once I get to that point, who knows how I'm going to react? Yeah. Absolutely no idea. Yeah. So my three older kids, they yeah. went to Hinsdale High, High School. You know, well-to-do high school, right? Mm -hmm. Hins, remember, if, you, if you're playing against Hinsdale Central, excuse me, that's the rich burbs, right? Yeah. Cross, cross tracks. None of my three kids 
did I ever buy a car for him? Because I told him one thing. I said, your grades are your currency. You get good grades, you apply yourself in school, you're doing it, I can help you with a car. If you don't, then if you're not doing my part, daddy can't do his part. Mm-hmm. And guess what? All three kids, they don't want to apply themselves. Yeah. So they dealt with the consequences, and they know that. But now as adult kids, guess what they figured out, though? Man, my daughter wanted to start her uh, med spa or, um, or, or esthetician business. Poppy, can you help me out with product? Did you complete your, uh, your, your, your certification? Yes, I got you. What do you need? Charge it, charge it, get, get your product, stock, stock your shelves. I need this equipment, and this, I got you. You did your part, I do my part. Uh, my son, you take care of your responsibility. You don't bitch, you don't complain. You have a job, you're honest. You can come to me with cash. When they're young, however, th- I believe that things start way before the car, though. Financial management, getting things that you want in life has to start way beyond teenage years. So if you want to train your kids how to have the conversation at 16, 17 years old, you got to show them everything you get in life has to be earned. I don't believe in allowances. Why don't I believe in allowances? Because you're teaching your kids that just by hanging around, having your last name, living in your house, being a bum, playing video games, I get something for nothing. I get an allowance. You're teaching your kids how to be entitled. So if you do your chores, no allowance. But if you go above and beyond, and here's our criteria to go above and beyond. Are you looking out for your brother and sister? Can I depend on you to babysit when I need to leave the house? Can I depend on you to go above your mind just reading one book, read two books, read three books, read four books? Can I depend on you to get good grades, apply yourself, to be a good citizen at school, to be a problem solver and problem versus of being a problem maker? If you have these, they have these criteria. Check. You get, you get anything you want. Ask. And so, I don't want to be the dad that says no. I want to be that says yes. But yes, you can get this. But you have to do this. And so, when we earn things, we value things. We reach up things. Why? Because we got to prepare kids for the rest of the world. The rest of the world is tough. The rest of the world is going to beat your kids up. The rest of the world, outside of your covering, they're going to have to deal with life. And I was doing a deep dive into the Rockefellers in the writing of my book, uh, Gotcha. You know, four generations down, five generations down, even the Rockefeller descendants, they didn't know they were rich. They went to average schools. Some went to public, some went to private. Over 250 Rockefellers are dependent upon John D. Rockefeller's family trust, using life insurance policy to fund, fund the trust throughout these multiple generations. Even the Rockefeller kids didn't know they were rich. You know what's telling them they were rich? Mm. They're friends. My mom and dad says your family's rich. I, I didn't know that. Everybody else got, why? Because everything was earned. And so if you want your wealth to last, if there's an, an inheritance you wanted to leave your children outside of just money and things and homes and things of status, give them the way you think that everything is earned, 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 earned. And by the way, it's an annoying thing to have that type of perspective. You know why? Because it forces you to get better. It forces you to raise your standard. It forces you want to evolve and grow. And if you, what's the opposite? Don't do anything. Don't be disciplined. Yeah, I want freedom. I'm going to do me. Right, do you. But it's doing you being disciplined. It's doing you, getting you what you want. If not, then you got to step up. And that part of capitalism, that part of entrepreneurship about improving and raising your standards, it's not a fun conversation to have. But if you really want to have something of value to bring to this world and earn things, here's the thing too as well. How many times, Milton, have you rented a car? You rented a car, right? Yes. Uh, a couple of times, three times. How many times do you say in your entire life so far have you rented a car? Recently, in the last two years, a handful of times, maybe about five, six times. Okay, for before, tra- because of travel. Sure. Before you checked it back in, did you get the oil changed? No. Did you get the brakes checked? Absolutely not. Did you vacuum it and Absolutely wash it? Absolutely not. No. Did you reluctantly fill up the tank back to where it needed to be? <laughs> yeah. Did you? No. Come on, Milton, tell us the truth. Did you dog the car? Did you hit the, did you hit the gas? Taking no. the corners more so than you would your own car? Of course. How come? 
because I don't, I don't value it as much. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's That's not exactly mine. my point. One point. Yeah. We don't when you when you're renting an apartment versus it being your condo. Were you yeah. taking care of your apartment, or you've taken care of your condo? Taking care of my condo a little bit more. Because why? Because it's mine. Because it's yours. Yeah, it's mine. So, uh, by the way, here's another move. Some of you guys are saying, "Oh my gosh, this, these interest rates are so high." Kim, why don't you approach a homeowner or approach somebody that has a listing on, on an MLS? Say, "Listen, I love to buy your house. However, my I can rent it for this. Are you willing to take my down payment, which is a potential exercise of option to buy? Let me give it above an average in the normal security deposit. Rent it to me for this. A portion of that is going to be a percentage to pay for a future down payment down the road. So therefore, in 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, I agree to a price that we do in 2023. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I can buy it from you one year, two years, or three years from now. That's called a lease purchase option to buy. I bought my first two homes that way. Mm-hmm. And guess what I did with the property when I, when I leased it from them, rented it from them? I took care of it. And guess what the, that owner did to as well with me? This guy's going to take care of my property because he's wanting to buy it. I'm a much different renter. That's, that might be a play for some of you that either don't have the cash, the credit, or the willingness to pay for a higher payment because of the rising interest rate. Give that a shot. Put four, five, ten offers out there and see what bites in the neighborhood that you want to live in. All right. Let's go to the next topic. All right. So, uh, Jordan, can we pull up that TikTok that's in the health and fitness department when it comes down to Joe Rogan speaking about cold plunging? Ooh, cold plunging. Yes, sir. Oh, it's a top. And along the way, a funny thing happened to his testosterone. It went through the roof to 1140, which is crazy high. His, he said, my urologist didn't believe me. He thought I must be juicing. So he had my luteinizing hormones tested too. Sure enough, 8.9 is off the charts for a fat guy in his 50s. He said, then I did a research and discovered a Japanese study from 1991 that showed the secret was exercising after yep. your ice bath. He said, now I'm stuck with the T levels of an oversexed 19 year old. I'm not complaining. After, yeah. not before. So, so extreme benefit to heavy duty cold exposure. Right. And then you force your body to heat up and then you work uh, out. Ah, I got it. Okay, so, so again, the debate is what's more beneficial? The base was more beneficial, cold plunging first, or working out and working out after, or working out first and cold plunging uh, afterwards. So again, as uh, Rogan said, there's a, there was a Japanese study that happened in 1991 on, on this specific topic, and I want to walk you through some stuff. It takes about a couple couple of seconds to kind of break it down for the people who don't really want to hear the science part of it. So okay, so cold plunge after exercise. So let's start with the you know post workout plunge. You just crush your tough gym session. And decide to reward yourself with a nice cold plunge. Surprisingly, this might lead to a temporary decrease in testosterone levels, right? Because it's your body, your body's way of saying, "All right, time to rest and recover." It, sh- it shifts its focus and from action mode to repair mode, which can after uh, which can affect uh, hormone production, including your testosterone. Now, cold plunging, uh, cold plunging before a- uh, exercise. Now let's flip it, right? Let's flip the script. Uh, picture this, right? You step into a cold bath or take a chilly shower before you hit the gym. It gives your body a quote unquote wake up call, right? It's also because of the way you're breathing, it forces oxygenated blood through your, uh, to your brain and through your entire body. The cold stimulates your system, making it, making it more alert and ready for action. In response, your body might crank up the production of hormones like testosterone, gearing you up for a high performance workout, which increases your testosterone levels. Um, but to each person, from person to person, is complete is very different. But now, a lot of people, a lot of people who are you know fact fact checkers and people who want a little more science behind it, let me give you the reasons why. And very simple, very straight to the point. 
When you expose your body to the cold, like taking a cold shower or immersing yourself in a cold, uh, cold water, it triggers a response in your nervous system. This response is often referred to as cold, uh, cold stress response. And here's a simplified uh, explanation behind it. Okay, Cold exposure activates your sympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for the body's fight or flight response. This is your body's way of preparing for uh, a challenge or a stressor. The following thing ends up happening, right? So the first one is the nervous, uh, your, your nervous system is activated. Second thing is, is hormone changes. The sympathetic nervous system stimulation prompts the release of two important hormones, adrenaline, also known as epinephrine, and noradrenaline, also known as norepinephrine. These hormones play key roles in the body's immediate response to stress. To stress, they increase your heart rate, alertness, and overall readiness. And then here comes the testosterone response from the first two. Adrenaline and nor noradrenaline can stimulate the production of testosterone. It's like a signal to your body saying, hey, we need extra strength and energy for what's coming. Uh, testosterone is an andro androgenic hormone, which means it is involved in the development of and ma uh, maintenance of male characteristics. And it also has uh, anabolic effects with helping muscle growth and repair. So if you're going to do this, try it out one time where you take a cold plunge first whether it's you know, a cold shower, whether it's a cold plunge, whether it's a nice bath, whatever the case may be, and then try to uh, get out the water for a couple minutes before you begin working out, and then start your workout. And you're going to notice, fit, you know, you're going to notice the difference in your energy levels, your cognitive, and also for a lot of you guys in your manhood in the next couple of days after you tried this. But you've taken cold showers before. How do you feel after a cold shower? Yeah, I mean, great. I mean, because your your body's heating up. So, but what's beneficial though? Is it more beneficial to do a cold plunge or cryo? I like I, so he, for 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 me, the cold plunging for some reason just it, it takes more, more of this for me the cold plunging for me really yeah for me, cryo I just I, I feel that it's more uh, it helps me with inflammation. Uh, again, it, 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 I haven't looked at the study, so I can't give you definites. Mm -hmm. But for me, cryo is more okay. I, I feel it. It feels good. Um, my chest hair is getting frosty. Um, <laughs> But yeah. when it comes down to the cold plunge, I feel it's, it's it's more of a mental thing. It's more of a mental thing, and it's the fact that you're submerged underneath this cold. Everything's going your your system's going to fight or flight. So yeah. you have to be able to control this. How how long time. how long how long under a cold plunge? Two two three minutes. Same thing with cryo. Two three minutes. Two 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 three minutes with cryo. Yeah. I I, I like cryo because at least I don't have to you know, towel off and correct. And, you know, and yeah. Cryo can just warm up. So. But but for those of you who do try it. For yeah. those of you who end up trying it, uh, maybe about a week after of trying it, of uh, first doing the cold plunge or cold shower, if you, whatever, if you don't have access to that, and then working out, should be a message. Should be a DM. I think it's more easier to access cold plunge and cold yeah. showers than it would be a cryo because you got to yeah. go to a cryo chamber. Correct. I'm curious to hear about the results, how you wake up in the mornings, and how you and your partner are exploring um, adult activities in the bedroom. So, so before I work out tonight at six o'clock, I should go cold plunge or cold go cryo. Try it. And then okay. come work out. See how you feel. Come work out. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely do that. Cool. Well, guys, listen. I, uh, I uh, uh, want, want you guys to know we're excited because we just booked. <coughs> we booked a new speaker for our, uh, our San Antonio event in uh, January, February, February third, first to February second. Jeremy Lee Miner, sales trainer extraordinaire, will be our next uh, guest speaker. At our event here called Escape the Matrix, very excited about that. We're hosting a private uh, event for our guys that are, are with us in the PHP agency side of things. Very excited about him teaching our guys professional sales sales training. And by the way, being a professional sales trainer doesn't mean you're just learning how to do it in business. Being good at sales means you know how to debate good points. It allows you to or argue or have conversations with your spouse, debate certain points with your children, and to ask them to do things. 
if you know how to sell things. I always tell my kids, if there's one skill that I want you to learn instead of getting a college degree, master sales, because you'll always find yourself a job. So that being said, guys, um, every Wednesday here, 12 o'clock on the 7 Fear Squad YouTube channel, we're broadcasting the 7 Fear Squad podcast. Let me know what you guys are thinking. Your feedback to us, agree with us, you don't agree with us, please please put it in the comment section below. So that being said, Milton, appreciate you here on the podcast and uh stay posted for our new interviews we got coming out to as well from the seven fear squad youtube channel so being said if you haven't done so already please subscribe hit like and drop your comments below you agree with us you don't agree with us please we want to know that being said by have a milton alvarez from dallas texas i'm your mighty smart guy and until we meet again continue to live smart continue to love smart and be mighty smart today, today.